we're coming on July, so we're about halfway through our calendar year. Uh, it's very important to us to pay attention to the Hebrew calendar because we know uh, that it's very important. That's, that's um, God's calendar. But we know that also the culture that we live in, uh, working through our calendar, January began a new year. There was a new focus. Uh, God speaks to us in certain ways. And probably most of us here are familiar that we have been really progressing forward through this year uh, with with a focus on just being intentional with our living, you know, living on purpose. And uh, I pray that that never sounds like a broken record. I pray that you don't ever check out when you hear me talking about that because I, I'm repeating it um, because it is something that we want to keep before our eyes, you know. And uh, I know uh, Cynthia and the prayer folks, I know uh, Pastor Maureen and the prayer folks on Sunday mornings uh, have been paying attention, uh, paying particular attention to what God has been saying. I, I, I know that on Sundays when words are given, we've been intentional to stop and ask the Lord, should we be doing something now, uh, you, you know, corporately in light of what you just said? You know, so, um, you, you know, the, this picture through the year as we're halfway through, um, I, started, I started feeling like as, as we were approaching the middle of this year, I started feeling like the Lord was kind of saying, um, lean in, brace yourself, um, keep doing what you're doing, don't back off, you know, uh, keep your intensity toward me. Um, and just for me personally, I didn't hear a whole lot beyond that, but I just got to tell you in my, in my own worship time, in my own prayer time, I, that kind of felt a little sobering. Um, almost a little bit ominous, <laughs> you know, when the Lord tells you like, hey, listen, I, I need you to, to kind of gear up here. How I many you know when God is saying that, it's not because, you know, we're going to be throwing rose petals and, you know, just, you know, waltzing around. It's usually because God is really needing to make sure. And, uh, and with that, interesting, Cynthia, I didn't get to respond, but the, what you had forwarded um, was uh, just one of the national prophetic voices that was just um, going into much more detail on um, just how strategic 2023 is. You know, and, and I'm saying that because as, as we talked about this year being a year of living on purpose, that really is something it would do us well to live on purpose in every season of our lives. Right? Can you say amen? You know, uh, how, how do we look back with the least amount of reg regrets? It's, it's that we, um, you, you know, we're, we're aware of what is the season that I'm in now and what ought to be the priorities in my life now. And we don't want to ever, you know, put those things in cement in our lives because we go into different seasons and we, and, and, and we change and, and God uh, will move certain things into our lives and certain things out of our lives. And it's, it's important just for us to know, uh, okay, Lord, what is this season that I'm in? and what should be my priorities now. Of course, there's certain priorities that they're going to be that no matter what in every season. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That one always stays top priority. But, but you understand what I'm saying. So it, it's something that's important all the time. But, but there is something strategic about this year that I just want to, I want to remind us one more time. 
And let's be honest, it's going to be more than one more time. But I just, I, I want to remind us one more time, uh, now that we're coming on, um, I don't know if we call it halftime, but certainly halfway point in the year, and just to take some time to reflect and to evaluate. It, we're told in Scripture to walk circumspectly, you know, uh, to, to number, you, you know, number our days and be aware that these days are evil. And, and uh you know, so the message tonight is decisions and distractions. That's the, the title of the message, and I'm not sure how deep into the distractions we're going to get, but I was thinking back that that was a message that we got into um, right after the new year when we talked about living on purpose. And that is one area that I do want to say I really believe, uh, I, and I really believe it's the Lord, that distractions are only going to increase uh, throughout this year and into next year, uh, that there's just going to be more and more purpose we're going to need to have. That doesn't need to be anything threatening. That doesn't need to be overwhelming. Just simply that we need to be aware, you know, and then ask ourselves, so am I, am I living in light of uh, the awareness of, uh, of what I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm supposed to be living, what my values are? Again, as I said earlier, what the season is, and then is there anything that I'm allowing in my life that's maybe getting my eyes off of the prize? You know, am I running the race that God marked out for me, and is there anything that's gotten in the way? And so, in light of that, just that, that little bit of a reminder, I hope you're feeling a little bit of the sobriety that, that I've felt. I, I feel like God is just really confirming these things that, that it, it's, it's going to be best for us if we really can say, hey, I'm, I'm living on purpose. Now, how many know living on purpose doesn't mean um, like like crazy, intense, workaholic, drive yourself in the, round in the ground because we have to be on purpose and we have to be busy. That, that's, how many know that's not what I'm saying about being on purpose, you know? As a matter of fact, if, if, that's, if that's how life is, we probably have more on the plate than the Lord has for us as, as part of his plan for us. So that would mean we would want to begin to pull back, declutter, pull things out of our lives so that we could say, there are rhythms in my life that are God rhythms, there's work time, there's rest time, there's uh, replenishment time, there's time where I'm pouring out and the right things uh, are getting done in my life. So, you know, as we talk about all of this, right, the idea, all of this leans into uh, their decisions that we make. We're always going to be making decisions and there's always going to be consequences to our decisions. Can you say amen? I remember my daughter when she was little, you know, I said, look, I love you, but there are consequences. And she went, I hate consequences. And I said, you spoke on behalf of all of humanity, you know, but nevertheless, there are consequences, right? So um, let's talk about decisions or choices uh, for, for a few minutes here. Statistics tell us that the average person will make six to 12 life-altering decisions in their lifetime. Uh, thousands of decisions are made daily, right? We decided today what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're doing with our hair, when we're going to bed, uh, are we watching TV, social media, entertainment, work, school, all that, you know, millions, probably into the billions in a lifetime. But there's probably six to 12 that uh, are, are of such a gigantic scope, you know, uh, that they are life-altering decisions. Now, the good news is, is just simply, if we're doing all we know to do, to hear God's voice and follow after Him, He's going to make sure that those decisions are good decisions. Amen? 
In fact, some of those decisions, we don't even realize that they're life-altering decisions when we're making them, right? Uh, I can remember uh, when I was at Bloomsburg University, and I decided to take cultural anthropology. Little did I know I was taking class with that lady over there. I was taking a class with who was going to be my wife. You know, so talk about a a life-altering decision you know, uh, for for the class that I took. Um, I can remember a time where my wife and I decided uh, up in North Jersey, uh, she was over at William Patterson, uh, and um, I had said, you know what, I heard there's a young adult Bible study. Let's go on Monday night and check out the young adult Bible study. And as it turns out, it was canceled that night. But we decided, why don't we take a stroll through the church, and we wound up walking around just kind of checking out the church, and we walked into uh, the gymnasium. It had a gymnasium, and I um, accidentally met Mark Gardner, who was the youth pastor there. And I had been praying about ministry, and, you know, uh, I was going to finish—actually, I was at William Patterson as well. I was going to finish a degree in history uh, and then figure out what ministry school looked like because didn't, didn't really know what that looked like, how that, you know, specifically worked. And um, I run into Mark, and he says, what do you do? And I said, well, I said, I'm actually waiting tables right now. I'm, I'm going to school, but I feel like God's called me to ministry. And so as I'm looking for a Bible study that was canceled— that decision to go to that Bible study was a life-altering decision because I, we wound up befriending him, becoming youth leaders, becoming interns, becoming youth pastors there, all because of that, that one decision. It's crazy, our decisions, right? You know, rejoice for your steps are ordered of the Lord, right? If we, if we make room for him to speak and lead and guide, right, and order our steps, You know, and even as I think about it, I know I've shared the testimony here recently, um, being on staff there as a youth pastor and then being asked from the pastoral team, hey, we need a volunteer to be a part of this committee that's going to bring the Awake America Revival Crusade to the Meadowlands. And I remember volunteering for that, thinking it was a decision that I was making in the moment for that crusade. But in God's economy and God's plan, that was only part of it because he was forging relationships that were bringing Annette and I down to the Church of Grace and Peace in 2001, right? So as I look back, as I was preparing, I was like, wow, some of the life-altering decisions. Now, one of them, um, who you're going to marry, right? Your vocation, you know, uh, those you kind of had to have a heads up that's going to impact your life pretty significantly. You, you want to do more than flip a coin, right? Or, you know, one potato, two potato, right? We want to be a little more inviting God into the process, into the picture of making the decision. You know, but sometimes those decisions, those, those really big ones, we don't realize what God is orchestrating, but we're still making choices that are walking us down the path that God has for us. Amen? Uh, going back to uh, one of my favorite uh, sports, football. Uh, they say in a football game, there are approximately 120 plays per game, but usually five or less determine the outcome. You know, so I say all this to say, wow, for us to take this year and focus on, let's be purposeful with how we live. Let's really give thought to the choices that we're making. Where are they taking us? Are, are the choices that we're making 
bringing us to the places that we say are our values and our priorities, the Lord's values and the Lord's priorities. Um, a famous coach, back to this, this football uh, analogy, uh, a famous coach said, we have to play every play as though it could be a game-changing play. And that's true in life. I know I've been really excited when my team's been ahead. I remember last season ahead by like 17 points, and I thought I could relax now. Yes, I get a little worked up during, you know, when my team's playing, right, you know? Only to see a game-changing play shift the momentum and my team lose, you know? So it it really is, it's true, and it's true in life. Now, I want to get now to uh, Genesis chapter 25. And let's kind of, let's pull out from uh, this portion of Scripture, verses 24 to 34. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. Uh, After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, and he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's also why he was called Edom. Um, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, uh, to understand birthright uh, in in Hebrew tradition, I mean, this is actually way back, right? It predates, but... um, the oldest male would receive the birthright, um, and with that would be an inheritance. It represented position. It represented uh, inheritance and possessions. It represented power. There was blessing that came uh, with being the firstborn. So what can we learn about decisions from this account? Well, uh, short-sighted decisions today will often lead to, to a road of regret tomorrow. Short-sighted decisions today will lead oftentimes down a road of regret for tomorrow. So the good news is we, in this room, we know the Lord, we walk with the Lord, uh, but being too short-sighted in what we decide. You know, I can even think about that. You, you know, there's certain days where, you know, I got certain eating goals and health goals, you know, and I'll look at, you know, something I want to do in the moment, you know, and I'll think, Let's do it. Short-sighted. You know, sometimes I follow through and I'll eat the wrong thing or whatever. And then I'll get up the next day and say, I'm paying the price for a wrong decision yesterday. Or I'll remember that ahead of time, which is part of the reason why we're doing this in the message here today for us to get this ingrained, to stop and say, wait a minute, this decision, how, sh- how short-sighted is the decision I'm about to make, the response I'm about to say, the action I'm about to take. 
You know, is it, is it something I'm going to be glad tomorrow I made this decision? Or is it something I'm going to have regret tomorrow that I made the decision? And how many know, by the way, in a moment of temptation, the enemy is never showing us the price tag, right, in the decision. You know, that's only usually uh, when we're paying the price is when we realize the price tag. So, uh, how many times did Esau regret that decision? I wonder over the years, you know. A momentary pleasure led to a life of regret. We all know, right, he wasn't going to starve to death. You know, he could have gone home. He could have waited a little longer. He, you know, um, you, you know, thinking about, you know, in my journey, um, the, the debt that we allowed into our lives, over the years, you know, even again, some, some health situations, there, there would be times, and I remember early on saying, Lord, I walk with you, I know you, I love you, I'm serving you. How did I get into this situation? And, you know, I can remember one time just looking at pounds and just, you know, it dawned on me, uh, one pound a month, it's 12 pounds a year. In five years, that's 60 pounds. You know, uh, $1,000 overspending in a year, in 10 years, that's $10,000 of debt. It's getting quiet in here now. Our old-time preacher said, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Amen? Now, right? Isn't it sobering? You know, oftentimes what I'm saying is sometimes it's the little decisions. How did we get here? Usually it's a little bad decision at a time. You know, somebody who would say, hey, this relationship or that relationship, how did this get so banged up? Probably it's been decision at a time, decision at a time, decision at a time. Um, so, what we tend to do then, looking back at this story from, from Esau and Jacob, we often exaggerate our present circumstance to, to justify a bad decision. Esau, right? I'm about to die, you know? And, and really what will help us is if we realize that is a way of not taking responsibility when we come up with a justification for a bad decision. Come on, can you say amen? You know? Um, the strongest of believers with the highest of intentions and integrity will be challenged when the right circumstances happen at any juncture in our life. Just the right circumstances can come along. And uh, this, is, this is an inter interesting story. And it says that the easy way is not the best way. Uh, there once was an aging emperor who had no sons to be his successor or, you know, to choose from to have be a successor over his kingdom. So the emperor called all the young men to his court and he gave them the following instructions. The man who was to take my place must know how to care and nurture the people of my kingdom. Today I will give each one of you a seed. You must take it, plant it, water it, and care for it, and 90 days from now bring it back to me. So all of the young boys scurried home and planted their seed. Uh, young Ling was just as excited as everybody else. He watered his seed, he fertilized it, he gave it plenty of sunshine. Um, all the other boys' seeds began to sprout and staring at his pot of dirt with frustration, nothing was happening. So finally the day came to appear before the emperor and as Ling arrived in the courtyard with his pot of dirt, the other boys had plants of all sizes, shapes, and colors. Why did I even bother to come, he thought. When the emperor entered, he began to survey the young boys and their plants, and his eye was drawn to Ling with his empty pot. 
And Ling looked at the ground to avoid the constant stare when suddenly the emperor called for the boys, uh, or the boy in the back with the pot and no plant to come forward. And Ling thought, how embarrassing, what will I say? Uh, but he slowly moved through the crowd. And when he finally reached the emperor, he was asked for his name. And the emperor took the pot of dirt and addressed the crowd who waited with anticipa anticipation. The emperor said, today I present to you Ling, the successor of my kingdom and your future emperor. You see, what the boys didn't know was that the emperor had boiled the seeds so it would be impossible for them to grow or sprout picture of not taking a shortcut, picture of doing the integrity walk, right? Decision had to be made when all those fellas were looking into this pot of dirt and nothing was happening, right? So there'll, there'll be these decisions along the way. And, you know, there's all kinds of justification that can come up for not making the decision that's in alignment with where God is saying he wants to take us. All right, the, the next thought here we can pull from this, our current conditions of life, spirit, soul, and body, they are a direct reflection of the decisions that we've made throughout our lives, right? It's been a, a sowing and reaping process. So whatever situation we're in right now, financially, physically, emotionally, security, faith, job, employment, career, education, relationships, friendships, habits, addictions, success, failure, all of that comes down to ultimately decisions and choices that we've made uh, through the run. So it's the combination of these hundreds and thousands and even ten thousands of decisions uh, that have been made. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. In the Amplified, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power allowing it to control me. In the message, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. So really, really great picture there, right, from Scripture on our decisions. And, and certainly, we're also talking about the things that will come in to distract from the decisions that take us where God wants us to go. So uh, the good news is, right, if our daily decisions got us into that situation, our daily decisions can get us out too. Amen? That's why, you know, I'll just tell you, oftentimes I'll talk with folks who, you know, are struggling in the area of, of finances and their giving, and, you know, they'll say, um, man, I want to I give unto the Lord. I want to move forward with that. But, you know, there's been all these years of bad choices. And, you know, my, my advice, you know, from Scripture is, well, you know what? Start sowing. Start sowing. Start trusting God. God. Start doing what you can joyfully do. But then also with that, start making the decisions that are opposite. And you want to know what this advice that I'm speaking? I'm speaking out of my own experience. You know, start doing opposite of what you did before. And then God will start to put his blessing on bringing things into a, a healthier place. So uh, Deuteronomy 30, 19, this day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. 
So again, there's that picture, right? Spiritually making choices in our physical world, making choices. Now, here's another thing that I think is just such great news, but I want to encourage us on this in light of where I opened up talking about here today. Where does God want to take us? A year of saying, I am being really on purpose and intentional. And here's the thought. Life isn't defined by what happens to us, but how we respond to life. Can you say amen? I tell you, there's, <laughs> we, could, we could spend hours and hours talking about our frustrations with how busted our world and our culture is right now, right? But let's just focus in on one for now. And it's, it's that victimology has absolutely hijacked everything in our secular culture. Come on, can you say amen? That wasn't as convincing an amen as I would have hoped. Amen. All right. All right. So life isn't defined by what happens to us, but how we respond to it. Man, if there's a a clear message in the Word of God, uh, you know, this is definitely one of them here for us. It's how we respond. So faith or fear, resistance or acceptance, light or dark, love or hate, forgiveness or resentment, better or bitter, learning from and never doing again, or making it a habit. Right? So again, it's good news that, you know, if ultimately, you know, we look at our decisions and say, all right, I'm responsible for what I do. You know, uh, you know, I would get so frustrated anytime I ever heard somebody in any kind of a conversation with me ever say, see what you made me do. You know, because to me, that's passing the buck. To me, that's victimology. You know, I didn't make you do anything. You chose to do that. You know, uh, so I, I think it's just so healthy for us to, to really understand, okay, if I'm going to walk out God's good purposes for my life, if I'm going to be uh, purpose-driven, um, intentional in how I live, uh, I need to make sure that as I'm making the decisions, I'm taking responsibility both for making the decision and for the outcome of the decision. You know, and someone might say, well, well what if I take responsibility and, and I have to acknowledge I really screwed up? That's called repentance and humility. And that's a good thing, right? A broken heart, a contrite heart, God will not despise. He will not cast away for us to say, Lord, I missed that. I blew that. I repent. You know, he will forgive. He will uh, hear from heaven. He will heal, right, when there's repentance. So, uh, so we have to own it and, and, uh, and work it out with the Lord rather than ignore it or tolerate it. Um, okay, so, so decisions and choices. Just spent some time looking at that. You know, uh, it is going to be the, the, the decisions that we make every day. For the ones that we're aware of that are impacting our lives, you know, really, really the point of going back through this in this message here is, is to ask us, okay, coming on uh, halfway through the year, are we giving thought to our ways? Are we giving thought to our decisions? Is life so full or so cluttered that we're not able to stop and pause and say, wait a minute, what am I doing and why am I doing what I'm, what I'm doing? Have you ever had times where you get done in a situation and you say, why did I react that way? I know I, I had that actually happen fairly recently. Just give me a wave if anybody has had that where you say, gee, why did I respond that way? You actually surprised yourself. You know, that, that's an excellent time for us to stop and say, okay, Lord, what's going on here? 
show me what, <laughs> what, what, what's not clear to me right now has been made clear based on a response or a reaction that I had. So Lord, let me, let, let me get before you to hear from you on that so that I can be intentional making right decisions. Now regarding distractions, let's talk about this just for a couple of minutes. We're still doing great on time. Everybody tracking with me so far? Yeah, amen, amen. Did I get too sober, too heavy? Like, is everybody, uh, yeah? Okay, uh, hopefully this is, you know, inspiring. And, you know, the whole idea here is, is coming out of this saying, if we live a life of reflection, if we live a life of evaluation, then it's not only going to be this year that we're beating this drum and talking about living with purpose, but it'll be every year that follows. You know, and that ultimately, that ultimately is one of the foundational pieces to us having a vibrant, growing walk with the Lord. All right, so now these, these things called distractions will come in and try to get us off track. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7.35, and this I say uh, for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So interesting. Let me say that again, just for us to let that soak in. And this I say to you for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Sounds like let's lay aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset us so that we can run with endurance the race that was marked out for us, right? So how do we identify distractions? Well, uh, 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So, you know, a lot of times we'll see distractions, distractions that are going to pull us away from the Lord. Uh, most times we'll, we'll pull into one of these areas. It's, you, you know, usually not something that's just so bland that it doesn't fall into pulling us, pulling on one of these areas in the sin realm, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When we realize the effect of distractions, uh, it will really help us be on alert for them. I can remember years ago, years ago, kind of younger, um, looking at the idea of uh, being a good steward with my life. And, and you know, again, um, it, it was back before the days of all the streaming services and stuff like that. But uh, I can remember just, just really enjoying uh, TV, you know, and, and uh, the, you know, life would be particularly hectic, and then I'd come back, and I'd, I'd put on, you know, uh, certain TV shows that, you, you know, and then how many know you start watching a show, and, and, and now you want to know what happens, and now you got to see the next one, and, and if they're really, like, mean about it, they'll leave you on a cliffhanger, so now you really got to know. I remember I used to, used to watch that show 24, uh, back when that show 24 was on, and uh, my wife and I, we actually, I think it was season three, uh, while it was on TV, where... We, we started watching it, and I remember the show would end, and we'd be like, what are we going to do between now and next Monday night? What, you, know, how are we, you know, I can't believe the cliffhanger we were left on. And then I can remember we bought the, the DVDs of season one and then had to repent for the lack of self-control to not just keep watching and watching because you could just keep, you know, feeding in, right? You know, so, so being aware of distractions. But, but here's my thing. I, I remember one time the Lord saying to me, I remember literally the Lord speaking this to my heart because I was bringing, you know, doing some of what we're talking about here, ref reflecting and bringing my life 
life. And I remember the Lord saying to me, when you stand before me, are you going to say, Lord, I'm just so glad I didn't miss an episode of 24. Right? You know, I'm so glad that I didn't, you know, and I know some of the series, like, um, I don't know, I, I heard like a, pro- a promotion for, is it uh, Law and Order, one of them? They're, they're on like their, I don't know, like their 17th season or 20th season or something. You know, some of these, some of these, you know, are we going to get to heaven and say, but Lord, at least I got to see all the episodes of this TV show, you know? And again, that, that was the Lord really helping me, like, put distractions in their proper place. Now, is watching a show wrong? No. Am I saying that, you know, if we don't have any recreation or, or downtime in our life, that that's wrong? No, actually, it's wrong if we don't have some downtime and Sabbath and recharge time, some rhythms in our life. But what I'm, what, what I'm saying here is when we recognize distractions for what they are, oh, they, they lose so much of their allure. Amen? So, uh, what do distractions do? Number one, they impede progress. This is interesting. I saw this verse from 2 Samuel 20, verse 12. Sorry, it's a little gross, but it, it, uh, it, it illustrates the point well here about um, impeding our progress. Amasa laid wallowing in his blood in the middle of the road. And the man saw that all the troops came by to halt there. When he realized that, so, so the context here, let me give it to you. There, these guys are on a mission from the king. And there's this guy on the side of the road bleeding, you know, and everybody is being distracted from the mission that God called them to. And, and it says, when he realized that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. You know, and again, I know that's like a little bit of a morbid picture, but I think that's a great illustration of sometimes we have to take the distraction, pull it off of the roadway that we're on and, and, and get it out of the way. I remember one time a student, this was so pure, I so respected this, uh, a student said, you know, can I stop by your office? It'll be brief. I need to talk to you. And I said, sure. You know, and I stopped by and he had this uh, big zipper bag and he said, I need you to take this. And I said, what is it? He said, it's my game system. You know, basically he was saying, I got a road that I'm walking down of schoolwork, of time with the Lord, of, you know, things that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And, you know, this game system cannot be on the road with me without me stopping. So take it until God tells me I can get it back from you. You know, and to his credit, it was, it was several months, you know, till he came back and, and, and got the gaming system back, you know. So, uh, you, you know, that, that's something that isn't necessarily a black and white sin, playing a video game, right? You know, uh, whereas robbing a bank is, right? You know, kind of a thing. Um, but, but the whole point here is if it gets in the way of our walk with God, uh, Scripture tells us when it comes to something that's a sin, to be very, very radical in our approach to it, right? It says if your hand offends you, cut it off, right? If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your foot offends you, cut it off, right? And again, we know that that's s- symbolically saying, so where you walk, what you put your hand to, and what you put before your eye gate, if it's offensive, if it's distracting from the race you're called to run, go to radical measures to get it out of your life, to get it out of the way. 
So, uh, so y- you know, distractions will definitely impede our progress. And then distractions can also cause us to drift off course. Psalm 73, verses 2 and 3, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's just such a, just an honest moment right there in the Psalms of, you know, the psalmist saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the, the, the wicked prosper. And it's a distraction. And it literally distracted him to the point where he said, I almost slipped. I almost backslid. I almost lost my biblical worldview. Because in my biblical worldview, serving God is the road to be on. And, and, I, and I saw this stuff going on with the wicked people, and it looked like they were being so blessed that I was actually distracted by what was going on in their lives. Uh, but thankfully, he says here, almost, you know, but no, nope, God got a hold of me. I caught it and uh, got back on track with God. So distractions can also close off communication with God as well. Luke 10, uh, verses 39 and 40, this is Mary and Martha. Uh, It says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And now the Lord says to her, you know, she's doing the right thing. You're distracted by a great many things, and she's chosen. She's made a decision to do the right thing, and that won't be taken from her, right? So, it, can it be so tempting to just do for the Lord, right? But how many know that, that we're not human doings? We're human beings, right? We're meant to be with Him first. Come on, is any of this landing anywhere? Amen? Yeah? Okay. Um, distraction, we're actually told, uh, devours the word. Um, Let's look in Genesis 3 verses 1 and then 4. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And and, And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So here's a distraction, right? You know, uh, she's, she's caught off guard by this. Verse 4, then the enemy comes along, of course, lies. You won't die, you know, and, and, and we know all that ensues after that. So distraction can steal away the word. Um, we could also look at it from Matthew 13. And the sower of the seed, right? Some seed fell on the pathway, you know, in the stony place. You know, some, uh, you know, had shallow root. And, you know, it talks about pressures of this world, cares, distractions, the different things that can come in and steal away the word. So, so in both of these instances, it's distractions getting us off course. Distractions can cause us to be in a spiritual and even downward spiral if we're not careful, right? It gets us off course and it can wind up being ultimately a shipwreck. So church, hear me in this. So, so here we are midpoint through this year coming up on midway of the year, and there's all these things that God has spoken to us corporately together. Some of it is to be taken and applied corporately. Some of it is to be taken personally and to be walked out personally. Hey, let's ask ourselves and evaluate, do we heed those words when we get those words? 
You know, our time in the Word, our time when the Word is, is shared and preached. Are we heeding? Are we hearing? Are we responding? Are we staying on course? You know, something that I've observed, you know, I, I, I see the more we as a church family lean into the Lord and press into the Lord, I notice the more the turbulence around us starts to turn up. Anybody else notice that happening? Maybe even notice that privately. The more committed that you get to the Lord personally, the more you dig in, you, you make a decision on a Sunday morning at an altar, or you, you respond to something by faith, you know, the heat is going to get turned up at that point. Be encouraged. This, this is something we, we need to encourage ourselves when, when the heat does get turned up like that. Um, know that it, it, it's the enemy recognizing what's going on with us and the Lord. But we need to make sure that we see that distraction that comes for what it is. Man, I tell you, I'm preaching to myself as well. You know, I, I have to be reminded of this. We, you know, the uh, distraction will come. Sometimes the enemy comes along, it's a sucker punch. Come on, wave at me if you know what that's about, right? You know, just kind of a left field there, you know? And what can be the response? We want to immediately, in the moment, respond rather than realizing, wait a minute, there's a big picture. Wait a minute, I've got somewhere I'm going with the Lord. I don't want to be distracted by this. Now, all of a sudden, we have clarity for the decisions that we need to make in face of that choice. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, starting to come in for a landing here. How to defend against distraction. So, uh, I'm going to kind of bring us back through some things that we said right at the beginning of the year. But maybe even before we get this, maybe we could just kind of pause for a minute here and let's just together, right? This is Wednesday night Bible study, so we can kind of stop, pause along the way. You know, we got a little bit of extra time, a little bit of breathing room here. Let me just even invite you, just even if it's helpful to close your eyes, you know, push off all the distraction of the day. And with you and the Lord, how, how is it going with what you've discerned ought to be on your plate, with what you discerned ought to be your priorities and your direction and your values and your focuses. How is it going right now? How are you, how, how you know, do you feel like, hey, I've got the weights and the sins off and I'm running my race? Uh, are you a spot where you're saying, I was running my race, but I came around this corner, you know, and the, the enemy's lobbing, you know, bombs at me kind of a thing? Are there things going on right now that as we're going through this message, it's bringing to light, oh, wait a minute, these are distractions. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? The distraction is, you know, uh, just, you, you know, hey, this, this area where there's always harmony, now there's no harmony. Wait a minute, this situation that's always, you know, sometimes it's almost comical. You know, I had a day this week where, where there was like one frustration to another, to another, to another, and some of them were small, like the, the ink is out on the printer when I'm finally getting the thing printed from the password that I couldn't find 
from the place that I put it, where I couldn't find the thing because it wasn't in the place, to while that's happening, this uh, attack from the enemy is coming while I'm trying to be a good steward and walk out, you know, and, there's, and it almost gets comical sometimes where you say, all right, I get it. I see what's happening here. Praise you, Lord Jesus. You're good. You got this, you know, and you kind of gain control. But aren't there other times where maybe we look and we say, wait a minute, there's distraction from the enemy that's come against my life right now. And you want to know what? I've not seen it from God's perspective. I'm trying to slug this out in the trenches. You you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in this dark age. You know, so so I just, just, wherever we're at in our own look, I I, I want us to kind of have a clear picture of that before I lay these things out. How do we defend against distraction? So just just take a little inventory. Sometimes uh, I, I think at the first message of the year, I talked about, you know, ways we can think about what season we're in and what God's priorities are. You know, some of them can look at, okay, so what are my responsibilities right now? What life stage am I in? Is my family in? What's being required of me at work? You know, it's going to be something as practical as that. That's a, it's part of the pathway in this, in this journey right now. From God's perspective, what are my priorities in what order? I like looking at this one sometimes too. What are my roles in life? What roles do I play? You know, for example, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, you know, and then we can go on through. And then in light of those roles, what is God asking of me in this season? What is God speaking to me? And then we look at, okay, can I fit everything in my life that I think God is saying I'm supposed to be doing right now? I can speak firsthand that most of my time that answer is no, because I'm usually running out and and gathering more onto my plate than God is saying he wanted on my plate. But by taking that time to evaluate, I can start to look and pull off and, and get it down to a point where, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you are asking in this season. So as we figure all that and as we work all that out, here's how we can defend against distraction. Number one is get clear on what you should be focused on. So I really just brought us back through that. And that changes. You know, that definitely changes in, in, in different seasons of time. Our, our, our youngest uh, turned 20 uh, in March. And so, no more teenagers. So, that, that, that was, a, you know, sort of like a noticeable benchmark change of season, uh, for, for, you know, for our lives. Um, so, get clear on what we should be focused on. I would even encourage you, again, I know not everybody's wired this way, but I think it's important enough to even have it written down. Keep it in a journal. Keep it in your Bible. Here's what I'm supposed to be focused on right now in this season, in this year. And then, uh, then you, you know, take it to the Lord and then examine, what is that supposed to look like today? What does that look like in my typical week? What does that look like in my typical month? What will that look like over this year? 
Everybody tracking with me so far? See how that looks? You know, so maybe God is, you know, dealing, okay, well, hey, time is an important thing in this area. Time's not happening in that area. All right, so I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to make a decision, and I'm going to start putting the time into that area that's needed. So how do I do that today? How do I do that this week? What does that look like over a month? And the reason why I bring it up that way is we have daily rhythms. We have weekly rhythms. We have monthly rhythms. We have quarterly rhythms. Rhythms. We have annual, you know, rhythms of life is what I'm talking about. And, you know, that word time management, there's really no such thing, right? You can't manage time. It's the same for everybody. It's, it's you know, the president of the United States has the same amount of time as the person who's sitting on a couch somewhere bored out of their mind saying, I don't know what to do with my time, you know? So we can't really manage time. We can manage our decisions and our approach to it and the rhythms of life. Amen. So, so we map out all of, uh, you know, our day week. And, and uh, it was Coach John Wooden who said to his, uh, it's interesting, he won, I think he won 10 out of 12 or 11 out of 12 UCLA basketball championships. He went down as one of the most legendary uh, college basketball coaches. And when he was asked about uh, you know, what were the highlights? Was it the first win? Was it the last win? Was it the greatest comeback? He said, the practices were my highlight. And he said, for the fellas, you know, he he would train them, make today your masterpiece. You know, if they weren't, if they weren't living all out, you know, doing what they were supposed to be doing on that court that day, he would tell them, I see you're not, you're not walking out what I know you can walk out. And sometimes they would say, oh, sorry, coach, I'll, I'll give you 110% tomorrow. And he'd, st- he'd say, time out. There's no such thing. You can't get, you can only give 100% tomorrow. You know, and his idea was let each day you know, uh, be, be a masterpiece before the Lord. Lord, what is it that you've got to be done today? And the nice thing is each day lived out uh, with the Lord will take care of itself. Okay, and then I've already mentioned this, but so, so getting clear on what we should focus on, uh, looking at it, mapping it out in light of our days, weeks, months, and years. Three, assess and evaluate regularly. Um, and then number four, invite accountability into your life invite accountability. And so I know on a Wednesday night here, this is uh, a little bit preaching to the choir. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a seasoned bunch of folks. Come on, we're the Wednesday night crew. <laughs> Amen. But how many know that it's really important for us to, to take some time and, and look at and talk about things like this, right? Amen. There was so much that was on my heart as I was trying to unpack it into like an outline for a message here tonight. And uh, man, I don't want to, I don't want to say something so often that it turns into wah, 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 you know, the the Charlie Brown teacher, you know, but um, it just gets louder and louder in my spirit. Watch out for distraction. I mean, I mean I, and I talk about it in light of our modern culture and all the clutter and all the stuff that's out there, but it's, it's, isn't it ultimately, it goes back to the garden. It's the enemy strategy, you know? It, it's to distract from God's word, from God's truth. And some of it, yes, we could point out black and white and say, yep, that's flat out sin, but there can be, there can be just things that we get hung up on 
that God would say, you're being distracted. I don't want you to get hung up on that. Get back on track, which is why I'm saying it's, it's so valuable for us just on this regular basis to say, all right, Lord, how are we doing? You know, um, I mean, it's so anchored. Lay aside every weight, every sin, so that we can run that race that was marked out for us. It's basically saying, lay aside the distractions that get in the way. I guess part of what I I, want to make sure is very clearly unpacked today, some of the distractions, actually, I didn't put this into words before, but this, this, this is part of it. Some of the distractions we invite because we get distracted. Shiny object, we invite it. Other times, the distractions come from somewhere else because it's assignment of enemy to get us off the track. Amen? I just, I feel so, so sober right now. Because although this is like a teaching that we could probably plug in at any point, I really do feel... um, in what God wants to do in this next year, it's, it's, it's highly important for us to not get distracted. And I would even invite, would you, would you make a part of your prayer life, um, even for, for our church family, Lord, deliver us from the distractions so that we can together run the race that's marked out for us. Amen? Amen. All right, now I'm not exactly sure where to come in for a landing, so I think I'm just going to drop the plane out of the sky here, and we're going to wrap up. But I think I see leaning in. I think I see that this landed and connected. I, 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 do, I do a lot of things as far as training for leadership and coaching for productivity and stuff like that. I did not want that to—I I didn't want tonight to land that way because I feel like the, the, the essence of tonight is, is discipleship and our kairos response to the Lord in this season. Gosh, I, I got to say it again. I feel like th- there, there needs to be such a vigilance, of, like a vigilance against that which would distract. So not trying to be dramatic, but I just, just trying to communicate just the, the weight, the seriousness of it. Yeah, yeah, so... Anyway, praise God. Hey, why don't you stand with me? Let's wrap up in prayer, and and we will be done. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. We bless you tonight. God, to think (laughs) of all the decisions we made today. Which coffee am I having? (laughs) What time am I doing this? What am I wearing? All these different decisions. And it goes from those little things to decisions that will not only make huge ripples in our own walk, but then the effect it has on those around us, God. Lord, we are sober tonight. I really, really think we're just catching what, what you're trying to uh, land in our spirit tonight. And I just so thank you for that Holy Spirit, for just taking each of us in this time. And God, as we are coming on the, the halfway point of this calendar year, Lord, whether we're given to reflection or, or maybe that's a very foreign to us, Lord, that we would in these sobering days, in these 
evil days. Lord, may we be reflective people. Lord, may our prayer time, may our worship time, may any quiet time, any Bible study time we have, Lord, may it grow in reflecting with you and before you. Holy Spirit, help us to begin to see with a greater clarity for wisdom, discernment, understanding God. Lord, beyond our natural understanding, wisdom from heaven. And Lord, help us as we navigate. Lord, we, we are so grateful that you, as our hearts are turned toward you, and as we just, with a childlike faith, trust you, you get us to where you want us to go. But we don't want to be delayed. We don't want to step off course. So Lord, give us insight. Now, if there's anything in our lives now that is distraction, Maybe there's things that are fine, but they're overgrown at this time. Let us know, Lord, if there's anything that needs to happen in regard to any kind of fastedness. Lord, if your voice has been diminished in our lives in this season, show us what needs to be pushed out of the way so your voice gets proper volume in our life. Lord, I I pray any place where distraction has brought confusion. Deliver from that, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, any place where distraction has gotten us off running the race marked out for us, show us, put us back on track. And again, as we began this year, looking at the idea of what season am I in? What are my priorities? Lord, what should be the highest value in in, in this time that we're in? Lord, bring us clarity in those areas. I thank you, Lord. Speak, speak over every person in this room, every person watching online, listening on, on podcast. No weapon formed against you will prosper in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every lie of the enemy, every distraction of the enemy, anything that would be uh, deluding, we break your power now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for clarity and truth and a peace that passes understanding. Thank you with, with a, a soberness. There's a pressing into the comfort of your voice and your presence. You are faithful. You are good, God. And now, finally, Lord, we just now pray, not just on behalf of our own personal lives, but, Lord, together for this church family, Lord, that you would continue to lead us and guide us into all that you have for us. Thank you for all that you've been doing And Lord, we ask, continue to keep us on track with you. So Lord, in all of this, it's in in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. We thank you for it. Amen.